0: Okay, we're back. We are back. We're charging. We're fired up. We're ready to go. It's been a busy day for me, but I'm glad to see you guys because I think we got an important one tonight. It's a good one, And uh, it's sort of right on point with the two-age sojourning thing. And uh, it's fairly recent, so it's it's kind of relevant, which is unusual for us to do something relevant and popular. (laughs) Um, So... You know, this, this when needs- you say relevant, it's still it's still a fairly niche relevance, yeah. but it's niche. About, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that being said, it's de- uh, we're going to talk about a debate, and we'll give you the details in a second. But it's a debate that actually reminds me I need to stop saying things like I've just said because, really, mm-hmm. it reminds me that the two age two kingdom thing is epically relevant and you know we all kind of know that but we get used to it and then when you you know it you know people disagree and you know but then all of it every now and again you just come face to face with it and you realize in the volatile age in which we live in the complicated age in which we're moving toward um, with regards to plurality and with regards to secularity and and even confrontation with that and persecution and so forth you ah this is just I don't know by the gospel itself, which is actually related, you know, in in every uh, level as we'll talk about tonight. But, but, you know, this, this subject like next to the gospel, it's one one of those parallel subjects to law and gospel for me, uh, which, you know, I couldn't, uh, maybe I should say outside of Christology itself, you know, what
1: is the mission of the church?
0: Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. What is the mission of
2: the church? But also, uh, you know, it's going to become super important as we continue to see changing culture away from Christianity and how Christians respond to that. Yeah. And, and just, and just our, 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 um, our frustration and our expectation, you know, I, I think, because thinking wrongly about this could be a matter of, of, um, it could be a real source of discouragement for some Christians, if they, if they yeah. wrongly interpret what is happening. To see it as a kind of failure on God's part, or so, or something.
1: Yeah.
2: So,
0: what are we talking about? We're talking about um, a debate that we recently uh, got put into. In, uh, Was this your doing, Andre? It must have been. So, well, uh, let
1: me let me tell you the how yeah. we got here. Okay. So James White had Joseph Boot on recently to talk about two kingdoms. Yes.
0: All right. And by the way, uh, we've had a few requests to look at that. Um, that talk and we're onto it. We know about it. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, so just if, if someone's listening to Well, this to is this. sort of the
1: background to that talk. Yes, good. So, so someone put me onto that and so I checked it out. There's a, a sort of a 20-minute clip by Alpha and Omega on YouTube, which I watched. Uh-huh. And uh, I've got the Joseph Boots book on uh, the mission of the church okay. somewhere around here. And uh, so I thought, oh, I need to just maybe do a little homework on Joseph Boot. What's he? What's he all about?
2: Those and PhD so as and I
1: was as, as I was scrolling down the YouTube comments, I saw Brandon Adams. <laughs> Brandon Adams said, "I've commented on this and this and this." And so I thought, "Oh well, let me check of what he said over there." Yeah. So I, I clicked onto his uh, two kingdoms debate between Tuninga and Boot. Yep. And uh, picked up the debate, and that's the debate we're looking at now. All right great there we go so um if
0: someone wants to find the debate that we're referencing um i suppose so the the... ezra
1: institute is basically uh so it's two kingdoms and cultural uh, obedience is the name of the page it's Mm -hmm. it's at the ezra institute.ca canada Mm -hmm. uh, which is where joseph boot is based that's true so um i might might go ahead and put a
0: link on the show notes for this one good just 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 to make sure
1: do you you promise
0: (laughs) No, I don't promise because I might forget. So let me just. You can
1: always (laughs) do, uh, you know, Google search, Joe Boot versus Matt uh, Tuninga, Tui Ninga, Tuninga, T U I N I N G A. -a. Yes,
0: Um, and we will approach the subject just as a bit of a caveat up front. Uh, You know, in the in the manner that we normally do.
1: Uh, totally professional, completely <laughs> exhaustive, <Yeah. laughs> no, authoritative, and The last word okay. on everything. Okay, okay, wait, wait. wait. I, do need to say,
0: I do need to say something about this because I actually did have a few. Just before we get going on this, uh, here's the wrestle I have. It comes out in me mostly when when we hit subjects like this one particularly because my instinct you know and this is what i mean this is what i think all of us you know we listen to a debate like that i mean i just want to get down i want to take copious notes i want to look at it all i want to read it all i want to you know and then i want to present something on it in a really systematic way which is what we typically do and this is what we we're all passes. this is what we do okay but now One of the things about this podcast, the the reason I wanted us to do a podcast, you know, just thinking of uh, of Andrea myself and Nick and myself, we've always just had these theological talks, and and I know what happens, you know, you don't you don't prepare for those talks, right? When we're having them personally, I prepare for those talks. (laughs) No, you don't.
2: (laughs) Not Um, not even you, Nick. Not not even (laughs) you. You know, not even you. But but
0: you know, the thing is like. Typically, we don't. You will talk, and, and I, I've always felt this, but it's just been some real benefit in that. As long as, as long as, you know, you wouldn't record something, you wouldn't normally put it out there because it's not planned. It's like it's it's not gonna be systematic, and it's not gonna address everything, perhaps in the way that you would if you were presenting a counter argument or so forth but there is real value in just doing something like this, I think. And, and I, I'm constantly just for anyone who's listening in on this, I'm resisting the urge to go uh, more programmatic. I think that there are, there are enough things like that out there. You can go and find the blog that's written against that and blah, blah, blah. But I think just to, just to have a conversation around it is a good starting point. There might be more that comes that, that needs to be done, but just a, just a initial starting point, just to rope people in, in that conversation, I think is a good thing. And, um, you know, uh, that's kind of one of the things we're just playing with with the, with the podcast, We, you know, t- to keep it sustainable, to keep it doable, to keep it enjoyable. And because we're going to have these talks anyway, that's the bottom line. Like yeah. I was just going to get on the phone with Nick and Andre, Anyway, and you know, so it's, it's like we're just doing this. So let's just make it a little bit more, you know, inclusive and 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 hopefully uh, helpful to, to people. So just just that as a, ca- a caveat, but also just kind of a mission statement with the with the podcast as well. And a confession. And a confession. That's, and a, and a confession. that's <laughs> true. You know, and and I and think.
2: An adjustment of expectations. That's yeah, a... yeah, that's true.
0: But with that in mind, I mean, I think I think there is hopefully something we could uh, we could bring out. I mean, yeah. uh, we we have thought about it, and it's not like we're just shooting from the hip here. Um, so um, the the whole, I mean, maybe it's just a good good way to start is just to ask what are your overall impressions. I'll start. Can I start? Yes, please. Um, I just <laughs> let's, let's. I didn't. Start. I
2: didn't imagine it any other way, Mike. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I won't <laughs> take long, but I just want to say I really appreciate Matthew tuning I've Dealt with him. Uh, with his work a lot, and uh, I noticed in the debate that the book hadn't come out yet. Yeah, prior to his book. Yeah. yeah, so I've got the book. Read the book. Obviously, it's it's been a it's been a um it's featured a bit in, in my dissertation. Um, but you know, in general, I find him to be very, very helpful, very mm. balanced, very nuanced, very. Uh, you know, he's not too, you know, I think he's often put it against Van Drunen in uh, a way that that is not entirely fair to Van Drunen. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, I think they're closer than, than people would care to admit sometimes. But but the reality is just because of his Kelvin kind of take on things, he's getting out of the Klein aspect and kind of moving at it from a little bit more of a, uh, a traditional historical theology. Yeah. yeah, and bringing in some categories that aren't the, the main line of the, the normal conversation by uh, Van Dunen. Not that Van Drunen leaves those out though. and I want you know things like two age eschatology and and just uh, the two governments and wick. I mean, Van Drunen knows his stuff, and he also talks about about that stuff. But Tuniger has really majored in on a helpful point of of you know. W- there's been a question mark over you know w- what Van Drunen has said, for example, about Calvin and some other theologians. Guys like Tuniger are really helpful because they come in and go, you know, actually. He, what he said is legit and here we go here's my dissertation to prove it um and of course as would come with more study on that particular point there's a bit more roundedness there's a bit more nuance that he brings to the table uh, particularly thinking about kelvin and his application to to uh you know contemporary political engagement all the way through to just the broader two kingdom category but um in the debate um I, it just really I, I felt the whole way through you know it's frustrating when you when you hear someone uh, represent the position that you're for badly, and I don't felt I don't feel that that happened. I felt that he did a no, great job. He did in, a great job yeah. in uh, in bringing that across. And you know the questions he asked, the way he responded, all very very helpful. Not come bad of it all, but moving the thing forward as best as possible. Really he bent over backwards trying to do that. And uh, clever the way that he asked questions as well. I mean, very helpful. You know, forced forced answers out of uh, Boot that I think he wouldn't have otherwise been able to, uh, or wouldn't have just yielded so easily. Um, I can't say the same for Boot. My goodness, uh, you know. Before I get all negative, let me let me say that the, the the most the greatest thing about this debate was it was just such a good case study on why the yeah. debate is necessary. Yeah. Um, it you know to have it with a guy like Boot was good because he was he's consistent. You know he's one of those. Yeah. Uh, this is what I believe, and and he's clear. This- and he's, he's, he's he
1: puts his position over very well.
0: Right, yeah. he does. Yeah. So it's not it's not like you're getting a second-rate argument of that position. You're getting a full-scale, consistent approach. He's not It reminds me a little bit about like like, like Dawkins or something. You know, <laughs> not to paint him with that brush. But at least you're getting a guy who's just willing to go there, even if he's the fundamentalist atheist guy. You know, you just have to. It's it's helpful to to play with those guys because you end up. You end up, you know, you're not having to talk about nothing at all. You get to the actual points. I think the points come through. The big issues all come through in this debate. So I'd highly recommend that people are interested in seeing the difference between a hardcore one kingdom and a hardcore two. Well, at least a two kingdom position. Uh, this is this is a great debate to have a look at that. Um, so, with that said, as uh, some initial thoughts, uh, over to you guys.
1: Yeah, Andre, what do you think? Well, um, my thoughts are very similar.
2: Um, I, I, exactly. I actually had never heard of Matthew Turning before, so I, 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 it was a, a very pleasant introduction to him. I mean, because yeah. you know, I, 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 I sort of stumbled across the the. the the two kingdom thing by accident. So I, I hadn't really, it, it, it had kind of been the way that I read scripture and I only, re- you know, and then I discovered it was a thing, you know, mm, A bit mm. the same way I became a Calvinist, you know, like pe- people started accusing me of being a Calvinist and then I realized, yeah, that's a thing. And I'm, and I'm probably a Calvinist. So, yeah, yeah. so but so I, I haven't sort of approached it from the, the kind of academic side or from from sort of following the arguments, but I'm, I'm discovering the world more and more as it opens up. Mm. And the more, the more that that happens, the more I realize how, like you say, how important this is. Mm. I think I was genuinely, because I know some guys in the UK who are reading, who are influenced by Joe Boots and reading the book and are um, attacking the two kingdom thing. And, you know, the, this debate is a live one, even in the college that I went to the Bible college that I went to. And, um, you know, I've had guys get in touch with me uh, because of this podcast who are studying (laughs) in seminaries saying, you know, this is, this is the thing that's happening there. What, what's your take on it? And so, you know, that's forced me to get involved with it, but yeah, I thought, I thought again, same thing. I thought both guys presented their positions very clearly. Mm. um, uh, And, um, you know, and and sort of unashamedly. And I thought that that was a good thing. It ma- it, it made for a lively discussion. Mm. But I, I honestly thought that that did enable us to see both the strengths of the two kingdom position and the weaknesses of mm. the, the one kingdom position. Mm. But like little things, I was just reading out, you know, I'd stop the recording and then I'd just repeat what I just heard to my wife. And, yes. And... And she was, she found it utterly disturbing, <laughs> like, right. you know, Very discerning I, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally, totally disturbing. And, and I, and I think that, I mean, so we, maybe we can, I'd maybe just to give like an example, um, just to, to, you know, I know we're just making general comments, but, but even the the points that he was making by way of a critique of of two kingdom things. So like you know he's, he's talking about it being a luxury of the West, oh. and if you're sitting in in cushy Escondido, you can start to talk about common common um, reason and and natural law and how mm-hmm. these things are, you know, but you couldn't do that in Pakistan or in, in you know, Iraq or something like that, or because, you know, Christians are, are dying for their faith. I can't remember exactly which country it was that you mentioned, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the persecuted world, you know, this whole thing is, is a nonsense because you can't reason. Yeah. But what do you want the Christian in Pakistan to do about it? I think oh, this is the, the question. Like, this is like- exactly the question. What about the New Testament?
0: You know, and uh, the persecution of the early church. Wait, say that again. You (laughs) went,
2: you went robotic for me.
0: You
1: went frozen for a second. Say that again,
0: Mike. You went robotic. I said, "What about the New Testament and the persecution that you see, and Jesus and the cross? Is that not, is that not persecution? Is that not suffering?
2: I mean, when when Jesus is standing, I thought was one of the biggest. Yeah, I mean, well, you
0: know, he's standing. Jesus is standing before Pilate." And he's saying, you know, my servants are not going to fight. They're not going to change this. You know, I mean, I can't think of anything more zenith than that.
2: You know, if yeah. my kingdom was of this world, they would, but it's not. So they weren't, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, dude. So, so what I was, so what I was thinking when I was hearing that was, you know, God forbid, you know, my earnest prayer and supplication is that no Christian in Pakistan hears about this yes this one kingdom way of thinking because if they do it's going to lead to the mass slaughter of countless Christians but also the if if the government in the UK or the you know whatever gets wind of this way of thinking about government where basically Christians are trying to take over (laughs) then then that's not going to end well for us either We've seen this play out in history countless times. Oh man, you know, totally. So well, you know, so I, I found yeah. it terrifying. Was my my overall my terrifying? The stakes are high. I know that not everybody is going to take it to its logical extreme, like Joe Boot, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I know that even Joe Boot is not taking it to its logical. That's true. To its logical end. That's true. But but the fact of the matter is, when you start going down that line, it becomes very difficult to argue for a a, a more common sense position about how to approach culture. So I think mm-hmm. I, for me, it raised the stakes considerably.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, it, I, I spent, uh,
0: you know, just, uh, and nick, Nick's nick been there as well. We, we got to in, we, there was a stage in which I went for about eight years running to India. And, um, and just, you know, this was actually one of the big things because I, 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 on the one hand, one of the reasons that, that Christianity was being rejected is precisely because it tried to change culture and not just be, you know Christianity in its culture, um, but had to bring a culture of, you know, what they de- deemed, uh, you know, the, the the colonial sort of um, the West to bear on 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 um, on Indian culture. And so when when people started rejecting the West, they started rejecting. Christianity as well, and this became a big movement in India, and this has all been on a, a bit of a snowball uh, for the for the past uh, however many years. But it's sort of recently reached a, a climax where where now you know they've they've closed a few doors to people coming in and so forth. But it's interesting though because one of the for, for the last eight years, or you know from the last point I was at, which is about three three years ago, um, the number one thing was that they wanted to. Uh, imbibe a kind of Christopher Wright mission uh, of the church thing which is you know uh, close to what we're hearing from from Buddha I think in that it's just a it becomes a, a the gospel is a social gospel prog- or at least a, a social program as well and that you know it appeals to a third world context because you want to stop the suffering you want to stop the the, the injustice you want to so if there's a way that Christianity sort of enables you to approach that to stop it rather than to to walk the broken road so to speak um you know you're going to take that and it's going to be dire in as you just said in in the consequences not only in, in reinforcing rather than 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 removing that that thing that was already wrong in it in the attachment of of the gospel and culture but but um but even strengthening that and furthering that in the minds of the current government who already are are sort of rejecting Western culture and, and put Christianity all, all in that pile, you know, you're only going to strengthen that. You're only going to, you know, bring about all sorts of uh, furthering of the predicament rather than any, um, any improvement of it. So yeah, it's just, it just that, that statement that he made there, he he referenced Brian Mattson, um, who uh, is another guy who wrote, um, uh, oh man, I can't remember the actual name of the book, but a, a recent sort of uh, little booklet against uh, Two Kingdom Thought. And uh, he basically, I'm glad he did reference uh, Matson because because he basically quotes him verbatim the whole way through and uh, uses his argument, you know, uh, down to the wire, even to the quotes and everything, you know. So it was basically a rehash of Madsen, Madsen's book. Um uh, and while you guys are talking, I'll look up the title and throw that out there. But, but, but you know, one of the things that Matson does is says, well, it's you know, there's this, um, you know, this this is only going to work in you know middle class white America and so forth." And he, he you know he follows that through with a few different ways to try and argue that. And you see you see how 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 uh, well firstly not convincing that is in that book, but the way that that argumentation on its own exposes that they have set up a ridiculous straw man on this issue. Uh, they're not, you know, we're not talking about anything coming out of Escondido yet. We're talking about what Jesus said when he said, yeah. my kingdom is not of this world, you know, so we got to keep it, keep it there and, and make sure that they, they don't derail that. Um, but yeah, more
1: we could say, what do you think, Nick? Um, well, let me, let me sort of bet for boot for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as I come at this, as I came at the debate, I wondered what it would have felt like if boot had gone first. I personally think that a lot of the emotional weight is on the one kingdom side. I think there's, uh, you know, it's emotionally freighted because of the issues that we're facing in our culture today. Mm -hmm. You know, marriage is dissolving, the family Mm -hmm. is being challenged, education is an absolute nightmare, civil rights are being eroded. Uh, religion is being marginalized, you know, these are the problems that our Western culture is facing. And I think the mono covenantal approach is in touch with our fears in touch with our concerns. It's 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 one it's speaking directly to the nerve of the issue. Mm. And, and when I when I hear the conversation going on, I, I mean, Tuning is playing a defensive definitional sort of game, mm-hmm. where um, I think Boot just just his the nature of his presentation is very positive. -hmm. It's rousing. Mm -hmm. Um, If I was just listening to someone who wasn't schooled and wasn't triggering on a lot of the stuff that he was saying, Mm -hmm. I would feel drawn along and compelled to want to Mm -hmm. say, "Yes, those things matter. Why aren't we doing anything about it? Two kingdoms doesn't seem to be active enough, or doing enough, or saying enough. It looks like it's just sitting on its hands and talking about the meanings of words." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think I think it's important. I was so I was wondering what it would feel like to have boot first. Uh-huh. And then have Tuninger tu- tu- play the the catch up game. Uh-huh. The fact that Tuninger opened, I think he stole the show. Right. right. I think he took the wind out of out of Boot's sa- uh, sales. Boot had to engage with more with Tuninger and not with the hypothetical Van uh-huh. Drunen case. Uh-huh. And, um, so, so I think that really that yeah. that set the tone for the debate. And I think Boot yeah. was was always at a disadvantage because of that. Because I think that those things matter and. And as a Two Kingdoms person who, who is on the Two Kingdoms side, I still want answers to those questions. Yeah. And I, I'm still not convinced that Two Kingdoms guys have done enough work in terms of positive agendas in those areas. And so, so I'm, 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 still, I'm still feeling the, a lot of agreement with the concerns of the monocovenantal guys. So I can, I can, what I'm saying is I can, I can uh, identify with some of their frustrations as they're critiquing some of the two kingdom weaknesses. So, right. yeah. Now,
0: on that point, uh, he did one of the shocking statements there was um, that, you know, I haven't been able to have, see much exegesis in Van Drunen's argument. Now, I assume there that he was talking about uh, natural law in the two kingdoms, the historical study, which was not an exegetical <laughs> achievement. Uh, but, you know, after that, two years after that, so it might well, I'm not sure of the dates and how they correspond to this, but um, two years after he published that, um, this <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know how, it it just, uh, it, let's put it this way. If if uh, Van Truden had already, Uh, released is what was it called moral law um, and uh, the covenants and the divine covenants or something massive book um, that is just pure exegesis from beginning to end really quality you know Uh, if that was on the shelf at that point when he made that statement that would be unforgivable but let's let's assume the best and say it hadn't come out yet so just thinking about the more work aspect you know so that book has come out which i think has been very very helpful i haven't read that by the way Right yeah. now, what he does is he hones in on exactly what you said. You know, he says, "All right, mm-hmm. I, I realize that you know we're, we're sort of on the back foot. here defending two kingdoms, but let me put a positive case forward. You know, let me talk about what natural law means and how it what, how it might affect things. And then, you know, if that didn't do it for anyone, politics and Christendom has recently come out this year, Ben Rubin's work, uh, which mm-hmm. really just goes straight for the kill. In that, it, he's basically developing a almost totally positive view." Uh, of of the way that his uh, common grace idea, he really just goes into massive amounts of detail, uh, and I couldn't imagine anyone wanting more. Now it, it does it does presuppose that you've sort of bought into Van Drunen's particular development, yeah. In that yep. you know, I would argue that Klein wouldn't have necessarily gone in that direction. So it's not that we're saying you know. You know, you have to go along with Van Duren, and they. I think there is a lots of room for interplay between Doevit, as we've been talking about, and you could go in some fresh approaches. But at least in terms of what was said in that debate that we're referencing now, um, there has been a lot more work done. And you know, let me just point people in that direction if they are interested, um, especially on, on this uh, this natural law deal. Um, so that's something worth, worth saying, but it's Hmm. not, it's not the end of the story. You know, it's, it's not like we've done the work and now that's it. I think, I think, um, it's an, it's an abiding issue and there's, there's going to be all sorts of things that some people are comfortable with other people aren't. How does general and special revelation as, as Boot mentioned toward the end, he'd like to see more work done on, on the general revelation piece and the special revelation, uh, into play. And I think that's legitimate, you know, that, 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 um, that's just
2: something that we have to constantly be working on. Yeah. That I think it's always unfortunate the way sort of language develops in these things, because, th- you know, if you have one side being called the transformationalist side, then the implication is the other side is not concerned with transforming anything. And yes. the, and, and I think that that's, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's always a certain amount of, uh, amount of labeling that that's unhelpful in these mm-hmm. sorts of things, mm-hmm. but it, it's not, certainly at least my understanding of it is that, as, you know, from a two kingdoms point of view, it's not that I don't want to see, you know, the, the Christians as salt and light in the world, having an influence on society right. and for the better. It's just about how that's done, whether that's part of the church's mission Whether that's part of our secular vocation as individual Christians, or whether or not Christians can establish Christian organizations which are forcibly for that purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just it's just a a distinction between essentially the gospel and the church's mission, Um, and then also what the expectation
0: of that you know effect on society would be. Yes, yes, Is it eschatological? Which you know, it was interest. It was interesting to see the way that 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 that. I mean, we've said it the whole time, the right? Yeah. That was the key. That, that, that is, and it showed itself to be true in this debate. Eschatology is the key to this whole thing. Um, but, yeah. you know, you see and, that and come on out.
2: I had never before really uh, considered, you know, Van Druden's, Van Druden's critique that ultimately this is going to land on our understanding of the gospel and our understanding of justification and all that kind of thing. And yeah. I always thought that, oh, that's just really unhelpful language. But in this debate, yeah, I saw it for yeah. the first yeah. time. Yeah, you denied yeah. the in covenant debate, of works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so what you're going to end up with that is, is an is earthquake.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Shut up.
2: I mean, it wasn't. It, so it was multiple. So so we need to talk about the covenant of works thing because that that's a recurring yeah. problem in, mm. in in this whole debate. But the but the other side of it as well, the denying of the the common grace covenant in Noah also does lead directly to this problem because you end up saying we need to redeem creation by, by doing these social transformation things. Mm. And, and, and that, that is always going to lead to a muddling of, of the, are we, you know, how are we going to save the world kind of thing? And yeah. it, it just, it, it, for the first time, um, and like I say, it's, it's because most people stop short of what, what Joe Booth is saying. Mm. and most people will not allow themselves to go to the natural the natural ends of the of, of the argument but seeing him speak and hearing him speak in the way that he answered questions um, really really did highlight that this this could and in some sense will have an impact on our understanding of the gospel
0: law and gospel were not a thing for him law and gospel were not they, they were as a moment i mean you can't, you it's, can't a have gospel. A, it's a law lo- it's a it's a glass ball yeah, yeah as we said <laughs> you know and 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 the, you know <laughs> i thought it was great the way that Tuniga pushed back on on his whole um you know mm. he was talking about national curses and blessings there for, for you know for for a session there. it was it was quite like i'm like oh, you are not serious we are going all the way with this that's amazing <laughs> um you know as as if you know, we're somehow yeah. still in this in this yeah. covenant, this mono covenant. He even referred to it in the singular the whole way through, which was really interesting. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that just just we gotta talk about the covenant of works, we gotta talk about the eschatology piece as well. Being being the podcast that we are, I thought one of the key statements of this whole thing, if people go and listen to this, was that, you know, he in a bit of an outburst said, I cannot live in two ages. I must mm. live in one age. And I mm. thought, well, there we have it right there, because that's <laughs> the whole, we are two age sojourners. That's the whole thing. In fact, we'd say that's quintessential for healthy Christianity, that you understand yeah. that there is an age that is to come, that is intention with this current age. And if you, yeah. if you choose to live in one age or the other and not both intention at some level, I mean, you, you're bound for one or another problem there. Um, so, you know, yeah. that's, that's, but, a but I issue.
2: do, I do, I do think that he's, he, he, that cry of frustration is, is the cry of frustration of the Christian life. So yeah. you know, like, I understand it's difficult to live in two ages. Like mm-hmm. that is the whole point. The whole tension <laughs> in is but know, not this world is not right. now, now yeah. here's
0: what, here's one of the things that I think Tuningat didn't bring out. He had a bit of an opportunity and he could have, and Van Drunen does bring this out well, because he's, you know, one of the things I really like about Van Drunen is he's so lucid. You know, he just does not allow a point to pass him by without pinning it down. You know, it must it must be the simple, lucid thing that it is before he moves on. And so he goes, okay, well, look, what are we, you know, so one of the more helpful areas of, of his work has been to compare, um, you know, his, what he's saying as a reformed two kingdom project advocate to someone like the, like, you know, the two cities of Augustine or that that paradigm or the two ages which is kind of what we're uh, alluding to here you know and, and what tuning in that debate alludes to he says well you know maybe we should start using the language of age rather than um rather than uh, kingdom good. and and you see that interplay a little bit with um uh, political church uh, who's the uh, Jonathan Lehman Jonathan political Lehman. church you know he makes the same suggestion and then they you know tuning and Lehman go at it for a little bit and and they kind of come away with, with with some ideas around that just just I think if anything else just just if nothing else at least just highlighting the eschatology piece again but what what Van Ruden says that doesn't get enough press and I think this must be uh, factored in is that is that no one's disagreeing with two ages, uh, you know. At least amongst uh, the various uh, proponents of the of the two kingdom view, that's important. That's a thing. That's eschatology. But the two kingdoms doctrine isn't exactly parallel or overlapping with that doctrine. It's it's what the two kingdoms doctrine is is thinking only about this age. So it really does address Joseph Boot's issue one hundred percent because because the two kingdoms idea. Is a way to not think about the age to come. No one's. We're not going to have to worry about two kingdoms in the age to come, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a way to think about this age. So we're dealing yes. with the this age part of the two ages, yeah. Amen. and it's interplay with it with the common... The two realities
1: that we're interacting with.
0: Exactly, and um, and so you know, I, I wish that it had come across a little bit clearer in the debate. But but you know that that meets what Joe Boot was saying. I think in that in that you know he wants to live in one age. Fine. The debate only revolves around one age anyway i mean firstly we'd say that i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say i want to live in one age only because you must have a foot in the age to come as a christian but but uh, if you yeah, unless if you, that's what he's talking about i want, if he, I want to go to heaven <laughs>
2: I to, I to, you know. <laughs> right, I would err on that
0: side, yeah. But but it sounded like he was, you know, very happily uh, admitting his post millennial, very 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 optimistic amillennialism and willingness to kind of see a kingdom that they bring in, kind of, uh, you know, t- take its its, its um, full expression, and um, it, that wouldn't surprise me. W- with everything else uh, I know, um, but but the bottom line is, even if that's the case, yes, we're just dealing with. A way to approach this age with the two kingdom doctrine anyway. So I think that just needs to be on the table. That's something. And, you know, again, with the Augustine thing, you've got a difference there because, uh, you know, I think if Joe Boot and Augustine would probably agree that there, are, you know, there's a kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, basically, you know, and and this is these are the it's only so two kingdoms he's worried about. Well, the thing lacking really in Augustine From a two kingdom perspective, and that what comes out later with Calvin and with Luther and you know with with um, theologians that have have tried to balance it out is the commonality. You know there is a. It's true that there are these antithetical ideas, uh, not ideas but realities: um, kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan. But God also has ordained that there be a shared stage for this age. And so, you know, and this is founded on two distinct covenants. So, um, you know, these are things you have to be clear on.
1: Yeah,
2: for sure. So is is it, would it be, sorry, Nick, would it be helpful to to begin to talk about it as a kind of three kingdom thing, right? Because it seemed like he was stumbling over that. Mm. And I know that this is something that gets checked up from time to time, but Mm. that way of understanding that actually we're not trying to say, that, you know, there is no satanic kingdom, or that, yeah. that isn't a factor. I mean, I'm just asking the question, what do you guys yeah. think? I think, I think the
1: nature of the kingdom is that it's kingdom inaugurated and kingdom consummated. It's yeah. the same kingdom, but it's already not yet. So there's not technically a third. That's true. It's, it's just yeah. a, yeah.
0: And also what does come up in the two kingdom discussion a lot on any reformed trajectory. Especially around, you know, one of the things he mentions Kuiper a lot, but Kuiper's is like, you know, as Van Druten rightly points out, Kuiper's is as two kingdom as you can get. In fact, all the 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 post Kuiperian Kuiperian guys are all like, you know, hey, Kuiper is just, uh, you know, he's on another team. And and in fact, I was really happy to to see that that Joe Boot sort of um, was willing to say Kelvin was really quite down the line with his medieval kind of willingness to go along natural law theory and so forth. And and you know, I think all of those guys they were very close uh you know what do your would now call gnostic uh not gnostic at least dualistic um you know i think that's wrong i don't think they were dualistic but uh, at least he admits that kelvin and he should have perhaps admitted that that um kuiper i mean these guys are very two kingdom you know they, they speak our language at every level and um and it really only changes after David, you know. The, maybe there's some question mark over Doevet himself, but, but beyond David, it just starts becoming this one kingdom idea. So, um, you know, I think you know one of the things that you have to just keep in mind there with the with the with our discussion of it now, just coming back to you, Andre, is that the antithesis thing, antithesis thing at least has gone nowhere. It's there, Augustinian antithesis all the way through. Kuiperian antithesis to Doyovedian antithesis to Vantillian antithesis to Kleinian antithesis. I mean it's there. No one's surrendering the deep-seated antithesis, the bestial nature of the of the city. Um, you know, it's common, but it's inclined towards, you know, as Klein, I love the way Klein puts it. The city of man is inclined towards becoming the cult of man, you know, and is in this constant drift. So everyone's been saying that. No one's denying the antithesis at all. You have to literally create a straw man of ridiculous proportions to yeah. say that, you know, that we are somehow forgetting no one's whatever. calling it neutral. Yeah. And so I think, and so I've always, I've also explored that because Luther did a three kingdom thing. And so I thought, Oh, this is interesting. Let's go down the Luther King three kingdom route. And he really sort of made that, I think more explicit than anyone else. Um, but when it comes to, I keep coming back to Van Vandrunen's comment in that what is the doctrine it's, it's really just to ask how the church, as the redemptive kingdom, God's kingdom, right? The kingdom of this age that will be consummated interacts with what is also God's kingdom yeah. in that which he has created. I mean, whose covenant is Noah's covenant? It's God that gives him the covenant. You know, it's, it's all God and it's all in that sense from God. And so that's the question we're we're, we're wrestling with, you know, we're not talking about what is obviously usurping their position, uh, you know, like a satanic kingdom would be. Um, Uh, and illegitimate you know there's no legitimacy in the satanic kingdom Um, yeah yeah we're asking what is from god what is legitimate so i think to have that question up front, you know what what are we actually talking about is actually really helpful in, in 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 coming up with 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 names two governments i like um that could work that's a whole two swords. You. Two I've swords. heard
1: one of the Puritans use. Well, God two has swords. two kingdoms, and there are two swords. There's the sword of the word, which the church wields with the gospel, yeah. and there's the sword of government, which God puts in the hands of the, the unbelieving. The problem with uh, that is it comes
0: straight out of Galatius's two sword theory. He was, you know, 100% Christendom, and basically the whole idea there, interestingly enough, if anyone cares, with Galatians, you know, this is like um, Pope Boniface and so forth. Uh, you know, you got this one Christendom and two, two swords within one Christendom. So it's quite interesting because they're not actually even dealing with the issue of antithesis with the world. They're just, yeah. They've just, they've got, the world is Christian. Now, how do we manage the world? <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's the two swords. Dividing
1: thing. the resp- God, the responsibilities amongst God's servants.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in some sense, it's part of this two kingdom uh, greater dynamic and trajectory. Yeah. But what we're talking about is a lot more defined and covenantal. Sword think- and
1: trowel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wasn't that like a... Ezra.
1: Ezra <gasps> Institute.
0: Oh, I, I thought that was a particular irony.
1: Yeah. The Ezra Institute. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like... Uh, yeah. Anyway, more to say there. Um, okay. Yeah, man. So I thought maybe we should just dig into uh, the antithesis between the monocovenantal and the uh, two covenants, uh, where it's very clear that uh, Tuninga has a covenant of works and uh, Boot denied... Mm. There was a covenant of works. He, mm. he emphatically denied it. Oh, yeah. And he called it the covenant of grace. And um, yeah. yeah, so let's stroll down. Into Do you that know what I would bit. have asked? Uh, yeah. at the, uh,
0: my my knee jerk question would just be, okay, so there's no covenant of works at all. Uh, I imagine he would have said emphatically, no, no covenant of works. No, no one where anyone has to earn anything. No. What on earth is the pactum salutis? What on earth? <laughs> Is Jesus sent to do? Was Jesus given what he was given by grace, apart from well, his genuinely, works? would would he accept the Pactum Salutis? Would he? I don't know. It a left a real question mark over that. Because All I always know... say,
1: by one man's obedience,
0: Romans five e- exactly. And going and going on, everything I've read on minor and the, the the issue, it's you know, I think you come. This comes out very clearly in Frame's um, uh, what do we call it? Rant maybe. No, it's too harsh. Uh, his 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 book against um, his 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 response to the the reformed two kingdom um, uh thing, and he's he's written a you know a book uh, a whole book about it, and, and you know when he you see it come out, he's like, listen, I'm very loath to think of the covenant of works as being this kind of merit thing. And then he goes, but then what are we to make of the second Adam? You know, so he goes there, at least makes the connection. And it's all sorts of funny things start happening. In my opinion, you look at that. I think it comes apart at that point because, you know, it's almost like, well, Jesus gets what he gets as God, not as man. (laughs) It's like now. So wasn't he,
1: was he representing us or not? And some, why the God man? Exactly. It just
0: calls into question. Now, you know, I haven't again we're not being completely fair I haven't got quotes and whatnot but that was the basic takeaway i was just like yeah. there was a there was you know that clarity that we need we must have clarity on what Jesus did certainly um yeah. you know as our as our mediator and and what the covenant of works from eternity is yeah. uh, as far as what he came to do um you know at, for at, at least for anyone that's bought into the covenantal theology concept you know i mean maybe yeah. for, for those that are just denying the whole thing they got some other way but but, you know, for someone in the reform camp to just go, right, we're federalists. Now, our federal representative has not earned our salvation for us. I mean, what the heck?
1: Yeah. Crazy. I mean, I can, I can see the appeal of, you know, running Adam and Noah as a parody. So, you've got Adam set up in a covenant of grace, according to the monocovenantalists, mm-hmm, and he's given mm-hmm. the dominion mandate. Mm-hmm. The fall comes, and God's mm-hmm. very gracious. He sets Noah up. Yeah in a covenant of grace and gives them the dominium and it looks like Mm. a copy and a paste. Yes. Mm. And so, you know, know that a blood sacrifice, which is, was propitiating, which was for the whole world. And he was the head of the church and they, they set it up in such a way as to make him appear like another Christ Mm -hmm. or another Adam. Mm -hmm. Um, and that they, they read so much continuity that they end up reading back into Adam, Mm. a covenant of grace, instead of seeing it as a covenant of works. And so, yeah, Not seeing those a, two things as distinct I, is a know. denial of the gospel. Yeah.
0: It, well, you, and you know what yeah. uh, clients says that, about. Sorry, that's Jeffrey, more or, or less
1: what Gary Williams did as well.
0: Yes. I think so. Yeah. No, I was just saying that that was Gary Williams. Thing. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what are the, one of the issues that, that comes up um, is that you see again, just the next copy and paste after Noah. Oh, before I get onto this, remind me to come back to Abraham. Okay. But, yeah. but, just did you notice the way just following on from our last conversation about gary williams um did you notice the way that he just exegetically made zero distinction between the pre-diluvian noah covenant and the post-diluvian even even before you conclude that they were two different covenants what he was reading all his point from the pre-diluvian thing that happened into the post-diluvian thing with no grounds whatsoever and i found that to be like i mean I, i think that would be a you know that would be reason to make a strong, to offer a strong pushback. I mean, you anyone that's interested in that, go and buy that that latest essay from uh, Van Pelt. Who I love, I just love that he's the Hebrew guy. I love that he's the the guy who teaches everyone Hebrew. (laughs) Everyone who knows Hebrew knows it because Van Pelt taught it to them, and then uh, and then he tells you what's actually going on with uh, the Hebrew uh, (laughs) text yeah exactly from from uh, with Noah's situation, but you know so so there we go. There's you know I'm totally aboard. You know everyone agrees with what he was saying pre-flood. The issue is that there's something else going on post-flood. So we're all agreeing that no pre-flood is part of this covenant of grace. Amen. But post-flood, it's, it's, there's something else that can't be yeah. squared with that pre-flood so, uh, uh, re- revelation. There's now, a refracted you, dominion mandate. A refracted dominion mandate. There we go.
2: Now, now you come to um, uh, <laughs> well, you just can't, I mean, but but even at a at a basic level, even at a very simple basic level, you just can't read it as if the fall didn't happen. So that yes. you know, it just you know, like that's the problem. Like, yes, there's there's duplication in the language. Yes, there's a a kind of um, you, you get all the same new creation language and the new the mandate restated and all that kind of thing. But to read that as if it's like whoops fall that has no bearing on what's about to about to happen going forward, you have to at least make an effort to see. Well, in light of the fall, what's what's different about this? And I think that that part of it, which is just, it seems so so obvious and so you know so basic, and yet that's the part that often you don't hear about. Like, oh well, obviously, there's this massive thing called the fall that's changed everything, and now we have to read the Noah covenant in light of that as well. So not just the pre-diluvian, post-diluvian, but also just pre. You know, Adam pre-fall and Noah post-fall as well.
0: Yeah. And what they would say, uh, as far as I'm aware, is that, you know, the fall happened, but Christ came and basically, you know, fixed the fall problem to the point that we can now retroactively from the point of Adam onwards, like sort Noah and anyone in the covenant of grace, basically pick up where Adam left off without a hitch because that's what Jesus would do and has done, and you know, and now we just keep going with the same single thing that God had planned. That's that's all good and well, but there are two things wrong with that. Number one, uh, it, it presupposes there was no eschatology in view prior to the fall, uh, mm-hmm. which you very I think came through brilliantly, clearly um, in the debate. You know, he's just there is no. And I mean, it was just a paradise covenant. What is the so, Sabbath for then? Yeah. yeah, just the Sabbath, the, the exegesis of the seventh days left out. I think one hundred percent. And then, and then, um, and then you know, moving on from that, you're like, okay, it's fine to say Jesus came and fixed it, but how did he fix it? You know, we're back onto this merit thing. Like, what did he do to fix it? And how how did he did he just did he not earn righteousness? Are we really gonna ditch active? obedience you know are we just going to go with passive obedience because that's all you got at that point you know yeah. um and and so and look norman shepherd that's where it goes you know you don't want to have to and that's where Bonson went and that's the whole deal so you've got that but now coming back quickly just to this this little point that i think often gets omitted again because you got that cut and paste you were talking about nick with yeah. the way you know th- there we go no the next guy okay fine now the next guy after that is abraham yep where you get the the next big cultural mandate commission thing where go and populate. Be a blessing so to far, all nations. Exactly. Yeah. Do the whole deal again. What I think is such a convincing point. And I've, I've tried to labor on this in in, um, in some of what I wrote there, but but I think I love this point, And I think this is something that Paul himself drives home. You know, when you're thinking about Abraham versus Adam, you're trying to create that parody again, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, God blesses Adam and Eve and says all right now from your god-given blessing go forth and multiply and bring in this thing you know do this thing from really it's from your god-given ability that this goes forward yeah you think about how that squares with abraham the whole thing is profoundly antithetical to that. It's Barren. from your absolute barrenness and inability, <laughs> you know, to the point that this even becomes the very reason that Paul says, hey, you know, uh, hoping against hope, uh, you know, th- th- he was he was uh, saved, you know, um, and, and so it's, it's only in the inability and of the promised son, which is, again, something that he, he drives home again and again, that this great multiplication event would happen and the blessing to all nations would come. It would be decidedly not because Adam was able to do it through any natural um, God-given ability at that point. It would be supernatural from beginning to end. It is the divine promise that we're talking about. And I mean, the whole narrative in Genesis makes a point in, in just highlighting that over and over again. You know, this is why most of that stuff is happening, just to highlight the fact that if God doesn't do it, no one's going anywhere, you know. And, um, and I mean, wow! Doesn't that just strike you as a there's something different there? Something different going on? You know, yeah. the one is like not of uh, works, the other one is. You know, it's just something something to consider as as people work that through. It's good. Yeah. Now, on the um the issue of of law and gospel, um, well, you know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about just 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 so we. Uh, don't lose out on this is the what I thought of the more interesting questions that came out of it was whether, whether um suffering is normative for the church. Did you notice that that was a, a, that was big a good question. One. That was yeah. a good. Yeah, because it, it, it's sort of like on the one hand, you want to go. Yeah. But then on the other hand, I don't know. I, I have to admit I've never really suffered. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yes, so, you have, brother. Uh, yeah, well, you know how? world, the need... flesh and the devil. We, there we have go. more yeah, than we one go. enemy. There we go. Yeah. So, Romans
1: 7 is your suffering
0: right now now if that's true then i think that 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 is an amazingly powerful point for the normative suffering of the church that again if if, you know if if he's not factoring that in where does that leave us you know um what are we what kind of triumphalism are we actually talking here you know now you've got a now you've got a national works blessing um gospel Okay, yeah. mixed with a triumphalism, not only on this eschatological sort of redemptive historia sort of thing, but but even to the extent that we're denying the reality of cross-carrying, you know, in all these various ways and our suffering in the world as Christians. I mean, dude, I'm seeing a real recipe for for, yeah. for a major problem. I mean, this,
1: this is where the real, the amillennial does shine against the post-millennial perspective on, on how the kingdom is brought in. And you know, Hendrickson just does it so well in More Than Conquerors, where he he, he highlights the paradoxical nature of our victory, mm. that we conquer through sacrifice.
0: I love what tuning it said. Uh, yeah. you know, what's the what's the message of, of Revelation? You know, you exactly want, that's want we, Revelation you twelve, verse nine yeah, to eleven. Yeah.
1: yeah. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, that they love their lives not unto death. That's how yes. they overcame Satan. Yes. They overcame Satan by Satan killing them. Yeah, and then heading into the intermediate state, into a partially, into a greater uh, realization of the kingdom that's already come. Uh, you know, the first resurrection into that intermediate state. And there's, I mean, this is like the fiber of Christianity. Amen. And so, I mean, how, it's, how, and the paradox of of Christ conquering through through sacrifice, Christ how, conquering through being the defeated one. Um, and so, I heard of a lion, and I saw a lamb slain you know, and, then I, and that's the church as we walk in footsteps of Christ. I mean, that's, oh, for me, that's the glory of the Christian I mean, that's
0: life. That's the whole thing, right? Like you get, yeah, so, it's Jacob you know. being struck in the hip, you Amen. know, and, and just uh, losing so that he wins and God being yeah. the one who wrestles for him. And, you know. And so, uh, and so just, we're
1: always called to be like Christ in our sufferings, committing ourselves to him who judges justly, yeah. not answering in turn. I mean, Peter's whole ethic for suffering is like Christ mm. in the way in which he submitted himself to it in the, mm. in the same, you know, Ordering under humiliation.
2: Exactly, and and if you take if you take that point right, and if you sorry if you take Boots' point, where I can't remember where it was that he said this, but he basically said I hear a lot of this kind of pilgrim language, um, and suffering language in the two kingdom position, but not enough talk about the kind of soldier language that you also you know find in Scripture. Yes, you, you know, if, if, if you Stand. take if, if you take that point right. Yeah. And you detach it from the fact that the whole revelation thrust, that the way that we fight yes. is through the word of our testimony and our suffering.
1: Yes. Amen. The weapons you know, of our warfare um, are not carnal. Oh, then what it means to be down a soldier
2: is to take your sword and cut off the servant's ear, which is precisely the thing that Jesus told Peter yeah, not exactly. to do. Exactly. And it's right at the, 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 the whole, now we're back to where <laughs> Jesus is standing before Pilate saying, my yeah. kingdom's not of this world. If it yeah. were, yeah. my disciples
1: would fight for me. Exactly. And the spiritual armor of Ephesians 6. I love, I don't know if you re- realize what Tuninga did there. Did you Do you hear his exegesis on Ephesians? Oh, totally. So Christ ascends up into heaven, Ephesians 4, yeah. and verse 7 to 16. He gives gifts to men. Here come the gifts from the conquering king. And what are the gifts? He's taken his throne. He's taken yeah. his authority. He has yeah. paused out his spirit upon the church to equip them for what's coming. Put off the old man, put on a new, be good husbands and wives, submit <laughs> at the workplace and put on the, the spirit, uh, spiritual armor. Boom. If you're a
0: slave, be a Christian slave.
1: Yeah. There's the, uh, there's, there's the Christian yeah. life in the two yeah. ages, right there. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, wow. You know, and, and one of the things that I keep uh, kept on just. Surfacing in my mind as I was listening to it, it, just listening to Boot's side of things, and you know, again, trying to just get his perspective and feel, you know, something that I, you know, I'm always on the lookout for something that I might have missed, or you know, just, just, you know, I don't want to make myself sound too noble here, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I think we're always doing that. We're just going, okay, well, there's, a, there's a chance I missed something. Let me, let me hear him out. He's a good representative of, of the position, so let me try and really feel him on this stuff, and, um yeah, I just. <laughs> What kept happening was just thinking about Klein's thing where he's like, listen, it is nearing the point of blasphemy to say that as you look back on church history, you know, if if we're talking about normative states of suffering, blah, 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 uh, you think about the way in which the spirit has been at work in church history, it has not been through the triumph, you know, model at all. You know, it's just it's through. I mean, the blood of the martyrs is at stake here. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about the way in which the minority, marginalized, uh, persecuted church through pockets of the ages have have been not uh, not only not a failure, but the greatest, a yeah. uh, most amazing. <clears throat> triumph of the gospel you know and what any talk like like boot's talk is really diminishing that triumph it's it's saying that at some level they failed to to engage in in, and transform their culture you know yeah i mean there's
1: Um, just one thing that boot did as well and he towards the end because they they started off with towards the end of the presentation he was talking about you know calvin's geneva and the puritan project in america and william Carey abolishing the burning of widows I just wanted to stop him and say, hang on, don't claim William Carey. He wasn't a monocovenantalist. <laughs> no, and he wasn't. He didn't go to India seeking to bring in your version of the kingdom. He went there to go no. and preach the gospel to the heathen. And while he was there, his Christian conscience couldn't help it. He did something, but he didn't go there with the kingdom agenda oh, that, that he's trying to allow. I felt insulted that he tried to claim Carey yeah. for, his, for his cause at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I I I empathized with how Kleinians must feel when Baptists like Klein, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: the, but the, the, I because I've just been reading through Nick Needham's you know church history things. So it's mm. kind of like you know I've just come through the end of the the second volume on on the medieval medieval church, and all through all throughout the whole thing, you have this 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 power struggle going on you know either it's it's usually the pope who's claiming authority for himself either the, over the empire or over the, the east or over somebody else and they don't want to give it and so um normally there's there's a struggle going on there but as you look at look back over church history and i, th- I think this is a point that um uh, made it's like well where is the what period in church history do you think this worked well you know, like, wh- wh- where do you want to go to find right. the model of yeah. how this one kingdom thing works? Yeah, I mean, we, we had like, political power there for a while. Well, know? he
1: goes to the Puritans, so uh, his in his book, yeah, i for him a with you The yeah. Puritans were a dog show
2: in lots of ways. Like, I mean, it, it, it where are the Red Indians?
1: Where are the, the American Indians?
2: <laughs> I mean, you would, yeah, exactly. And you, and and so there were maybe like about 10 good years, you know, I just think, but the, the whole expanse of church history, yeah, yeah, um. Has been a massive failure. Whenever the church has had political power, it's been an. As soon as the church impossible.
0: starts killing other Christians, you know you've got problems. You know it's it's it's. Which not
1: inevitably happens. Yeah, because and the Puritan yeah. project was on a blank canvas. Mm. The new, you know, in terms you, of you don't get better. Than that. Yeah, 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 you don't get exactly. a better
0: opportunity. Yeah, it's a bit of a
1: false scenario. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, these are these are massive. Uh, Points, you know, and even just, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad you you mentioned the the William Carey thing, and just a lot of anecdotal stuff in there. And you know, I feel like if we go into this, we're going to end, you know, go into a whole new podcast. But maybe what we should do is come back to Brian Matson's book. Um, it's called Cultural Amnesia, by the way, which is you know, he was all of that stuff was coming straight out of uh, Cultural Amnesia, and um, and you know, Christian stir fry, the whole deal. You know, with the, trying to trying to do the, yeah. <laughs> trying to do the whole thing. One of the things that they do though, uh, which you know what he was doing in this debate is he was he wasn't interacting with what like at any substantial level with what van drunen as he leans on klein was saying are saying because there if anything what you would say is you know he's talking about there's there's a, a cultural homogeneity uh, that, that that exists um you know, as a result of, you know, he's the, the polio uh, vaccination thing that, you know, the only reason we don't have polio is because of the polio va- vaccination and, um, and and Christianity is like that. Like the only reason we, we don't, we experience a, a, a cultural sameness with unbelievers is because of Christianity. So that's their big argument against um, uh, what Two Kingdom people are saying when we're saying, well, there's a common grace. Uh, preservation in play at that point it's not it's not because of transformationalism so they, they look at that and they start saying well you know you know they bring out all these these illustrations that you mentioned earlier but you know what Klein's looking at is he's not once going into Western civilization he's not even thinking in that realm he's thinking about ancient Near Eastern civilization you know when he makes the argument for common grace he's, to- he's speaking almost totally within the realm of you know Hittite treaties and Babylonians and, you know, that sort of thing. And I mean, there is zero Christianity didn't exist to create that cultural sameness, you know, they, they couldn't have been, uh, you know, th- their argument just does not work in terms of the very substructure that, 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 that Van Drunen bases his argument covenantally on. So I think, I think uh, I would, you know, for anyone that does want to check that out, I, I would just ask them not to get not fall into that anecdotal stuff. Because it's really, um, and like, you know, when he talks about a Christian stir fry, for example, you know, versus like, you know, I don't know, uh, food laws, you know, that, that might be uh, in existence, or what Darwin's comment was when when Darwin said, you know, if you get stuck on one of these islands, just hope it's one that, that's met with the gospel. Like, look, no one needs to deny that that is true, right? That, 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 that there's a preserving and a witnessing reality for, for that, that takes place when the gospel takes root. but that's a different thing to saying that the gospel mandates that you cook food a certain way. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's not the same thing. It's, it's really, it's refuting an error as to what others might say about food. That's, that's for sure. And it might be, you know, uh, dismantling some existing worldview, but it's certainly, you know, to jump into saying, well, therefore Christians do make stir fry a certain way. And therefore there is Christian stir frying Christian plumbing. It's just like such a ridiculous leap of logic.
2: You contrasted that with the Sharia law, yeah. And the irony for me was that it sounded like you wanted to create a Christian version of the Sharia oh, law, and 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 that was I felt that well,
1: that's, that is been. the key. I mean, for, for and this is another discussion altogether, but as a theonomist, which he clearly is, and he loves Rush Duny, yeah. um, basically what he wants to do is he wants to use law as basically the document with which we go to the nations, yeah. It is coming, set up race. Christian yeah. government, yeah, because and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be happy with the common grace, scenario, where other countries have governments, we should be seeking to Christianize those governments with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what he's always fighting for. He's, he's fighting for a Christian activism in the political realm with the post-millennial agenda on a monocovenantal basis. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy for his activism. I'm happy for his concern. I just, oof, there's just yeah. too many, too many things lost in his, in his project.
0: Yeah. Now I, I would have made the quip, that hey, at least William Carey and all Baptists are immune. But next we'll come back to James White and his interaction with with uh with boot. And um I, I don't know, even yeah. Like,
1: the I'm Baptist not sure we kid. even need I'm not sure we need to deal with it because I think boot is the root problem. Right. And we've dealt with boot.
0: You're just scared of James. That's all. Ah uh, that's, that, that's all that's happening. You can admit it. It's James okay was
1: a confessional 1689 Baptist. I don't know what he is anymore. Uh, I look at the friends he's hanging out with, and I'm growing uh, more and more concerned. Um, I think his activistic inclination have, has has led him down a garden path. So I don't know where he stands theologically, but yeah. the people he's bringing in to confirm certain perspectives, we've dismantled that perspective.
0: When it, talking about two kingdoms, one of the the things that is just a, a point that needs more study and I think uh, some there have been some great studies on this uh, is that the way Baptist thought and two kingdom thought are really hard to distinguish in some ways because you know the very idea of a of a, of a gathered church um, that is by profession of faith I mean that is really you can't you can't mess around with that when you you, you have to especially when that church becomes persecuted or marginalized as it was uh, you know until the 1689 pretty much you know you've got yep. this you've got this um difficulty that they're working with uh it's a rich rich area to to i mean ecclesiology does matter you see it in the presbyterian um uh debate as well with the spirituality of the church ecclesiology ecclesiology is an important point that we haven't really touched on yet but i think normally speaking baptist theology just at a basic level uh should protect you from a lot of this uh, but I think the problem is people aren't really consistent with what they hold to you. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say that about James White, cause I mean, you know, he does I, don't, I, mean, stuff. I said, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. I think we must come back to it. I think we must look at the, that, talk that he does with, uh, boot and just uh, have, have a think about
2: how that rolls. Well, it's particularly the end of that talk. I mean, the, the first bit of Joe Boots talk, he's just riffing on the changes that have taken place in society and all that's good. Well, he uh, opens it. with a
1: quote from this debate. Oh, does he? Yeah
0: okay i haven't actually listened to the whole thing
1: yep get good yeah. the foggy he makes you'll, you'll see a reference that's to right. the, yeah, the yeah. foggy two kingdoms yeah. okay that's 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 boot's opening statement mm. as he's addressing van drunen yeah. or his conception of van drunen not to uh, Tunenga. Yeah. yeah yeah that's true there we go all righty well we're getting oh, on did, in this one
2: just to gill have much to... did did, did gill have anything to say about the two kingdom thing
0: uh well again baptist yeah he did and and uh okay. You know, and I mean, you got to remember, Gill wasn't, you know, classic example because he couldn't go to school, um, because he was a Baptist, right? Uh, his parents were a Baptist, uh, were Baptist at least, and so he's this genius that um, you know can't go to school pretty much. He gets to learn Greek by studying, you know, by by glancing through the the bookseller's shop and, and seeing the textbook, and then and then um, it gets so freaking awesome that eventually they give him the doctorate, you know, and, and, and go on. but but. But the bottom line is, I mean, he felt that. He would have been the kind of Baptist I'm thinking about here, even yeah. beyond that um, that, that yeah. point at which uh, the, the 1689 could be written. Don't you want friendly. to go
1: back to those days, guys? Those were the good old days. Nah, I like dentists. I like doctors. I like medicine. Yeah, it would be tough.
0: It would be <laughs> tough. But, you know, it's, um, I don't know. You might not have to long for much longer,
1: Andre. Yeah, I'd probably it's be that- dead by now. I'm like 45. 45 this year I just like state for the record that I was being sarcastic (laughs) it was pure sarcasm
2: (laughs) but it hasn't been detected I'm
0: often I often watch, uh, watch, watch movies, you know, with with Candice, and like there'll be this terrorist thing where a guy gets taken captive and he's like in this prison cell for three days, and I'd be like, oh, day one, I'd need my meds. If I couldn't get my meds, like I'd already feel I feel like that would be me gone, you know. Day two, like if I, I just need to have a shower and take my meds and go to the toilet and you know do all that stuff, I'd be dead three times over by the time the guy gets released, you know. So yeah, I, I don't think I'd fare well at all. But um, hey. At least we get to build on the shoulders of those who, who did, uh, who did suffer for this cause. But it's something as bad I'm a Baptist, Anti Kingdom, and Kleinian guy, so you can tell why I get the triple vortex going on this subject. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's important. I mm. see it as important for many different reasons. But let's, uh, let's stop it there because we're into like nearly an hour. That's yeah, good. A little bit, and uh, we'll come back to this. Uh, go check out the debate if you want to, and uh, yeah, stay it's tuned. Great. It's we'll, worth it. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll probably be circling around the subject for a little bit, um, and. Um, and we'll see you next week. Cool. Thanks, guys.
1: Cheers.